episode 42 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on June 19th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, the Summer of Swotor kicked off with the nightlife event. I'll tell you just how much those greedy hut casino bosses fleeced me for. Class balance changes are happening, and Bioware has a madness to their methods. I'll explain exactly what it is. Do you play an Arsenal Merc or Gunnery Commando? Bioware is breaking out the Nerf Bat and beating you like a rented Bantha. I'll have the gory details later in the show. Master Mode Ops Loot is a problem, and Bioware is proposing two solutions. I dismiss them both and offer up a third. Finally this week, Eric Musco and Keith Koenig weighed in on a variety of topics. It's Swotor Potpourri for 200. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 42 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted. And as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. First, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. And the Summer of SWOTOR is underway, and here are some of the events and updates happening throughout the summer. Uh, the Narshadai, the Narshada Nightlife event started last week and will run until August. Bioware has not announced an exact end date for that yet. Uh, Bounty Contractor, Bounty Contract Week will run from June 27th through June 11th, making it a Bounty Contract Fortnight. There will be a double XP and double Valor event running from July 1st through the 5th. Game Update 5.3 will go live later in July, uh, likely on the 11th, 18th, or 25th. And finally, Game Update 5.4 will go live sometime in August. And that's the Summer of SWOTOR. And that's all of the announcements I have, so let's slice the holonet and review the news this week. First up this week, and it's something I did not mention in the intro, there are going to be changes coming to the cartel market. Eric Musco reported the following on the forums. This week on the cartel market, it's going to be a little different from what you have seen in the past few weeks. It's time for a little spring, and then in parentheses he put summer, cleaning. We are going to embargo quite a few items on June 27th. That means those items will be removed from the cartel market and may or may not return in the future. All of the following items will be moved to the popular tab and marked 25% off starting tomorrow, meaning June 20th, and they will remain on sale until they are removed on the 27th. So several of the armor sets are going to get removed. This includes the Exterminator's armor set, the Hutsbane armor set, the Investigator's armor set, the Destroyer's armor set, uh, the CZ-13K Gorilla Armor Set, the Outlaws Armor Set, the Noble Commander's Armor Set, the Pathfinder's Armor Set, the MA-44 Armor Set, and the X-3 Techmaster's Armor Set. And some of these armor sets that Eric noted uh, will trigger in the collections but can't be unlocked or claimed there. And that is because some of those armor sets come with mods, armorings, and enhancements. Basically, they have stats associated with them, so you cannot unlock them in the collection. The only way to get extra of those sets is to purchase them from the cartel market. So just something to think about as they prepare to embargo those. Uh, there are some mounts that are going to get embargoed, including the Orlean LE5, the Longspur Sportster, the Aerotech Rose, 
Cavern Varactyl, and the Zerka CR-17 Incendia. Two mini pets are going away, the M8MO Astromech Droid and the W4K2 Astromech Droid. Uh, some of the toys going away include the Ranker Holo Replica, the Carbonite Chamber, the Data Entry, Kick the Hutball, and the Emote Freezing. And then a few other things that are also going to go away. These include the Minor and Major Starfighter Experience Boost, a 5-pack of Major Starfighter Experience Boost, uh, the Command Boost, the 25% Boost, the 5-pack of the Command Boost, that's the 25% Boost, and Major Warzone XP Boost Bundle. And then he went on to say, additionally, the featured items this week will be the gold and silver decoration packs. If you have any questions, let them know. So this is the last chance to get some of those items for a while, if not forever. And I'm okay with them embargoing items from time to time, but I don't like it when they permanently remove things, at least when it comes to armor sets, mounts, pets, and the like. And I'm also not a fan of those armor sets that come with the stats. I really wish they would issue those as empty armor sets. Uh, Some of them are nice, and you can't unlock them in the collections because they have stats. And let's face it, gearing up a tune as you level is not hard, nor is it expensive anymore. And given how fast you can level, those stats become obsolete very quickly. I'd rather have them make them into regular armor sets without stats that we could then add to our collections. So that's it. Those are the big changes coming to the cartel market uh, starting on June 27th. A bunch of things are going to be embargoed. All right, so the nightlife event started last week, and I'm more or less done with it. Uh, one thing you might have noticed is that the greedy hut casino bosses raised the prices on the smuggler and kingpin chips. The smuggler chips used to cost 1,000 credits, but now they cost 2,000 credits. And the kingpin chips cost 75,000 credits, up from 50,000. So how'd I fare this year? I spent roughly 2.8 million credits, which is much higher than I spent previous years. And yes, I am taking into account the increased cost for chips. I did get the Gamorrean Companion, three of the new mounts, and about 25 golden certificates. I had 25 certificates saved up. So I was able to get the new outfit and all of the decorations. And those decorations are awesome, by the way. They are all interactive. And they have them displayed at the casino so you can try them out beforehand. Uh, you can have 50 of each and collecting them is the main reason while I'll continue to pop into the casino uh, throughout the duration of the event. One thing they did this year is they added uh, smuggler and kingpin chips as loot drops and ops flashpoints and uprising. So if you're running those, it's a nice way to save some money and get some chips to play with. I enjoy the nightlife event, but I would have liked to have spent less money. But on the other hand, I've already made earned a good chunk of it back, so it's really not that bad. And I do like the rewards. Uh, The event runs through August, so there's plenty of time to get everything before it ends. So there was a great post this week where the developers explained how they balance the classes. It's a long post and something I encourage you to read. It's too long for me to read verbatim, so I'm just going to take you on a highlights tour. And when it comes to balancing classes and disciplines, their core philosophy is this. We do not balance disciplines against each other directly. Balance is based on target values which are determined by what type of damage dealer you are. Ranged, melee, burst, sustained, etc. And they said, 
The deeper reason for a buff or a nerf lies in a discipline's ability to perform at their target DPS for damage dealers, HPS for healers, or DTPS for tanks. The target DPS, HPS, and DTPS values determine which content veteran operations master uprising, etc. Players can successfully complete in a given set of gear and in PvP situations, they determine the speed of player kill times and the ability for healers and tanks to extend the life of an ally under attack. So to clarify, there is a comparison that takes place for damage, tanking, and healing balance, but that comparison is not among disciplines or classes. It is between the target DPS, HPS, or DTPS value and the discipline in question. Essentially what they're doing is grouping each discipline based on their role and assigning target DPS, HPS, or DTPS and seeing if they are over or underperforming. It's a binary look at things and if where if you're above the target, you get nerfed and if you're below, you get buffed. And they went to share the groupings and targets for the DPS and it's as follows. So there's melee sustained damage dealers, which are supposed to be designed to perform up to plus 5% of target DPS. And these include the following disciplines. Annihilation Marauder slash Watchman Sentinel, Hatred Assassin slash Serenity Shadow, Lethality Operative slash Ruffian Scoundrel, Pyrotech Powertech slash Plasmatech Vanguard, and Vengeance Juggernaut slash Vigilant Guardian. And then there's Melee Quasi-Burst Damage Dealers, which are supposed to do up to plus 2.5% of target DPS. And this is just the Fury Marauder slash Concentration Sentinel. And then there's another group of melee burst slash ranged sustained damage dealers, which are supposed to be right at the target DPS. And this is the Advanced Prototype Power Tech slash Tactics Vanguard, the Carnage Marauder slash Combat Sentinel, the Concealment Operative slash Scrapper Scoundrel, the Deception Assassin slash Infiltration Shadow, Engineering Sniper slash Saboteur Gunslinger, Innovative Ordnance Mercenary slash Assault Specialist Commando, Madness Sork slash Balance Sage, and then the Rage Juggernaut slash Focus Guardian. And then there's one ranged quasi-sustained damage dealer, which will supposed to perform uh, down to negative 2.5% of the target DPS. And this is the Virulent Sniper and the Dirty Fighting Gunslinger. And then the last group is this ranged burst damage dealers, and they are supposed to be designed to perform down to minus 5% of target DPS. And this is the Arsenal Mercenary slash Gunnery Commando, the Lightning Sorcerer slash Telekinetics Sage, and the Marksmanship Sniper slash Sharpshooter Gunslinger. Now, if you're wondering what those percentages of target DPS means, here is how they explained this. And they said, let us give you a fictitious example to help clarify our meaning. Remember, target DPS varies based on your equipped item rating in any augments, class buffs, stims, or adrenals that you may or may not be using. For ease of calculation's sake, we will say the fake target DPS, for our example, is 10,000. With 10,000 DPS being the target value, that would mean a rage juggernaut slash focus guardian should average 10,000 DPS in a fight against a single target that lasts about five minutes because they fall in the, quote, at target damage grouping. In the same fight, a pyrotech power tech slash plasma tech vanguard should average above that target DPS up to 10,500 DPS 
because they fall in the up to plus 5% of target damage grouping. A virulent sniper slash dirty fighting gunslinger performing in the same scenario should average below that target DPS down to 9,750 DPS because they fall in the down to minus 2.5% of target damage grouping. And they also provide an explanation on why uh, the variances in target groupings, why there are variances in target groupings, and why they don't try and have every discipline be at the target DPS. And they said, we feel both melee and sustained damage types are inherently disadvantaged. And that is why melee sustained damage dealers, with their two inherent disadvantages, make up the top grouping. Melee damage is disadvantaged because it must stay close to its target, often within 4 meters, in order to maximize damage output. And sustained damage is disadvantaged because it takes several seconds to ramp up to its full damage potential each time it acquires a new target. And in situations where rapid target switching is required, it will often never reach its full damage potential. Now that makes sense and is something that is not limited to SWOTOR. World of Warcraft has the same issues. Melee have been complaining about target switching and chasing after bosses for as long as I can remember. In fact, one of the things I love about playing ranged DPS is the ease of target switching and the freedom to run around. Now, they also give some insight into how they decided which disciplines to balance first, and here's what they said. They used several factors, including player feedback, player parsing data, and our own internal PvE and PvP statistical data. For 5.3, we focused on the disciplines we felt were most out of line with the rest of their damage groupings. That gave us the virulent sniper slash dirty fighting gunslinger, engineering sniper slash saboteur gunslinger, and innovative ordnance mercenary slash assault specialist commando on the overperforming end, and the pyrotech power tech slash plasma tech vanguard, hatred assassin slash serenity shadow, and madness sorcerer slash balance sage on the other perf- underperforming end. If you are wondering whether arsenal mercenary slash gunnery commando and corruption sorcerer slash seer sage got nerfs or buffs, well, Just have another look at those damage groupings and take this hint to heart. It is the same story for Corruption slash Seer Healing as it is for Arsenal slash Gunnery Damage. Well, they released the proposed Arsenal Gunnery, Arsenal slash Gunnery uh, changes, which I'll talk about next, but spoiler alert, they fell into the overperforming category. So if you play Corruption slash Seer Healing, you know the hammer is coming. But before I move on to the Merc changes, the last thing they touched upon was utilities and where they fall into the class balance mix. And here's what they said. We are first focusing on the damage and healing output for all classes before getting too carried away with utility changes. This is because opinions about where a given discipline stands among the pack can be clouded by high or low damage or healing output without anyone even realizing it. That is not to say we won't tweak a utility here or there, but before we go making massive changes to a class's utility toolkit, we want to make sure the damage or healing they can put out is on target and relatively similar to other disciplines in their grouping. Once we are happy with the damage output, we can start adjusting utilities to give those that need it a boost and others that are too powerful a reduction. So that last part about utilities is important because they announced, again, the proposed arsenal, mercenary, and gunnery commando changes, and a lot 
of the feedback, and I mean a lot, centered around those utilities, which are kind of out of scope, at least on BioWare's perspective, uh, for the, the balance that they're doing. And if you saw the proposed changes for Arsenal and Gunnery, then you know everything is a nerf. And I said last week that I thought it was smart that they led off the class balance discussion with a discipline that was getting buffed. It was a good way to ease into it. It got people excited. Well, now the gloves are off. And again, it should be noted that these changes are not final and they are all subject to change. But here's what's happening for Arsenal mercenaries in gunnery commandos. So Blazing Bolts slash Boltstorm will deal 4.89% less damage and cost 20 heat up from 16. Barrage slash Curtain of Fire no longer increases the damage dealt by Blazing Bolts, but still finishes its active cooldown. Riddle slash Rotary Cannon no longer improves Unload slash Full Auto. The critical damage bonus provided by Target Tracking slash Deadly Cannon is now 15% down from 30%. And finally, Decoy now has two charges down from five. And this is what they said about it all. With the changes to Arsenal slash Gunnery, we wanted to bring the discipline down to its target DPS. We also wanted to make heat slash energy cell management a little more challenging for the Arsenal Gunnery player. So we slightly increased the cost of Blazing Bolt slash Bolt Storm while reducing the damage it deals. Another goal we had for Arsenal Gunnery was to tone down its burst damage potential a bit. So we reduced the critical damage bonus granted by target tracking slash deadly cannon to shrink the size of those big heat seeker missile slash demolition round and rail shot slash high impact bolt critical hits. Finally, we felt that decoy needed a significant reduction in power. So we reduced the number of charges it provides from five down to two. If you haven't read the feedback thread, then don't do it. You'll hate yourself for it, and you'll need a shower when you're done, because it's just 25-plus pages of toxic waste, and I did read the whole thing. There are a few reasonable posts, but like most things on the forums, there is a lot of noise that you have to sift through. A lot of the feedback was centered around survivability and needing to adjust utilities, which Bioware stated isn't on the table for the first round of changes. I'm not dismissing player cries for those changes. It's just out of scope. So the focus needs to be on the damage changes. Now, I play an Arsenal Merc, not because it's overpowered, but because I genuinely like it. It's my main. I'm full 248 uh, best in slot. I have a lot of achievements and perks on this tune. He's my guy. So you will still see me running around on him despite the changes. Do I want to get nerfed? Of course not. I like big crits. I like the buffed blazing bolts. And here are my concerns. One of the thing, one of the things I think that this game suffers from is an inability to balance abilities for both PvE and PvP. This is something that World of Warcraft suffered from for years. And they now have the capability to tune an ability for both PvE and PvP. So for example, if blazing bolts was an ability in World of Warcraft, they could tweak it for both. They can't do that with this game, and PvP usually wins. If something is too powerful in PvP, it will get adjusted, even if it means that ability is now worthless in PvE. And I'm not saying that's 100% of what's going on with Arsenal slash, with the Arsenal slash gunnery changes, but a lot of people feel like the damage was okay. 
And I've seen a number of people report that these changes will bring Arsenal slash Gunnery DPS at or below that of Lightning Sorks slash Telekinetic Sages. That's what we're looking at right now. And I'll be curious to see how they change Lightning Sorks and Telekinetic Sages. Will they be buffed or will they be left alone? The question that no one seems to be focusing on is these target numbers that Bioware has established. And I'm not talking about parses. I'm talking about the range for target DPS of plus 5% to negative 5%. Is that gap reasonable or is it too large? Arsenal and Gunnery fall into the negative 5% group. You know, are the discipline advantages and disadvantages that they talked about so severe as to warrant this wide of a spread? I can't say for sure, but I, 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 my gut tells me that this is too big and that the gap should be narrower. Something more like, you know, plus 2.5% to negative 2.5% for an overall 5% difference from top to bottom. And yes, utilities do need to be looked at, and I'm certain that at some point we'll see changes. It's just a matter of when, which again calls into question, what are their plans for another expansion? And I'm convinced at this point that we will not get one this year. They may do what they did with Rise of the Hut Cartel and release something in March or April of next year. And I mention this because if they wait too long to make additional changes and then release a new expansion with a level cap shortly thereafter, they'll have to balance everything all over again. And these changes will have been for naught. So I do think they're over nerfing the damage for Arsenal, uh, Mercs, and Gunnery Commandos. But the good news is these are just proposed changes and nothing is final. That said, I am going to play around with Innovative Ordinance to see what it's like because it's a little bit different. I mean, it looks like, sounds like they're going to get nerfed at some point too, but I already have, you know, decent gear for my, for my Arsenal spec and it's pretty much the same gear needed for Innovative Ordinance. So it's not that big a hoop to jump through to switch. So that's it for, for the class balance and the Arsenal gunner, Arsenal in gunnery changes. Like I said, it is a work in progress and nothing is final as of yet but i thought it was a pretty pretty strong swing from the nerf bat uh that this past week another topic that popped up this week was loot drops from master mode operations and here's the problem according to eric musco and he said the key issue with master mode is the gear you are receiving isn't being consistently provided as it is with other tiers the primary reason is we wanted the gods from the machine operation to contain best in slot gear and be the most consistent source for tier four gear. But since we only offer one boss encounter right now, it's making it difficult for you to obtain tier four gear. We have been discussing two ideas to address this issue and would like your feedback. So the first option is this. They, they double the amount of drops awarded in both eight and 16 player difficulties. This means there is a random aspect of what is dropping, but there will be more chances of receiving tier four gear based on the number of players participating in the operation. And the second option is they leave the amount of gear drops as it is, but they add unassembled components to each boss. This would mean that players running master mode would not only be receiving a chance at tier four gear, but they are also working towards being able to upgrade slash purchase the tier four gear they need. And they said, we realize unassembled components have been attributed to PVP activities, but we could make that adjustment. Here's my recommendation. Just normalize the loot tables for master mode operations and have them drop specific pieces of tier four legendary gear. I am in full 248 best in slot on my mercenary. You want to know the number of master mode ops I've run to get that gear? It's zero. 
I've barely spent time running veteran mode ops. I mean, I usually do EV and KP each week, and then sometimes I'll hop into uh, EC and TFB. But beyond that, I mostly just hop into story mode and run some of the, the, the weekly ops quests and just get crates. And between tier four crates and unassembled components from PVP, I've gotten a full set of best in slot with extra pieces to boot. So if you're consistently running group content and are at Galactic Command rank 300, you've got to be getting close to best in slot here. And I could be wrong, but to me, the simple solution is to just put the tier four legendary gear on the master mode ops bosses and then again on the veteran mode gods from the machine bosses. And I have no idea what they'll do for master mode gods from the machines. But I really think that's the best option at this point, especially since they've indicated they don't have plans to introduce another tier of gear. And, you know, with with the slow rate that they're trickling out the new ops bosses, this just seems like the the, the way to go. I mean, you know, so that's that's my recommendation. Just normalize the master mode ops and put the tier four legendary gear on those bosses. So finally this week, Eric Musco and Keith Koenig replied to a slew of miscellaneous topics that I think are worth mentioning. And first up, a player asked about a PvE version of Galactic Starfighter, to which Keith replied, That is not in our plans for this year. It may be something we can consider in the future, so I'll add it to our growing list of ideas. I'm not surprised to hear that it's not in the works, but I would certainly welcome a more robust PvE space combat game. Uh, years ago, I played Star Wars Galaxies, and Jump to Lightspeed was my favorite part of it. So I would love to see a PvE version of Galactic Starfighter. Uh, someone asks for an update on getting a male version of the down dancer outfit, and Keith responded with, I honestly don't know, but we'll inquire about it and come back with a more definitive answer. Uh, and apparently this is sort of a long-standing request that someone noted dates all the way back to the Guild Summit, which was back in 2012. Uh, so will this translate into getting a male dancer outfit? I have no idea. But it does sound like we may get an answer on that one way or another. Uh, another player asked about getting a Battlefront-style PvP match that combined Galactic Starfighter, PvP, as well as things like Manning Turbo Light, Turbo Lasers. And here's what Keith said about that. That's one of those, wow, great idea type messages. But on this one, I'll have to consult with Charles to see what it would take. Sounds like organized open world, well, Starship world. PvP, and we'd need to figure out how to provide the proper incentives so everyone would want to participate. I like the idea and have even talked about similar things for PvP, such as an op where the group is split up with a team on the ground and maybe another on a space station doing something. I think a lot of players would like to see more Star Wars-style battle battles in this game. I just don't know if the MMO classes in combat, as well as the current group sides, lends itself to, to this type of to, to this type of thing, I think it would have to be something brand new um, that would be much larger than eight people on a side. I think you'd have to make it at least sixteen on a side. But I, I would I would certainly welcome something like this. And I love that Keith is willing to come in and respond to these suggestions and take them back to the team. Uh, also, this week Eric Musco provided an update on a bug with the new mount perks, and he said there is a bug present in certain mounts which is preventing them from being affected by the rank 4 and 5 speed increases. This is affecting most forms of speeders. This bug is not affecting creature mounts, however, so using those is a workaround in the interim. We are looking to get this fixed in our next patch, which, based on the current schedule, is 5.3. 
So buying the perk is not a, uh, a waste of credits or coins. You'll have to run around on a creature mount to take advantage of the speed boost until 5.3. And finally, Eric talked about the current bug for the council fight in Eternity Vault, confirming that players need to use a workaround until it gets fixed in 5.3. And the workaround is to kill Kahesh last, um, and I think he's in the front row, and then the loot will be there, and Soa's door will open, and that, Eric just sort of confirmed that that indeed is the workaround if you are running Eternity Vault, and pretty much everybody is running Eternity Vault these days. So, that's all I have for this week. Let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half, half hour listening to episode 42 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SotorPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 43 on June 27th, 2017, and remember the Sith code, take is a lot of you.